0: Are there things that are keeping you from delivering the work that you believe you are hired to do? And that might mean things like, are you being micromanaged? Are there lots of administrative obstacles in your way? Are you struggling to have clarity on expectations or priorities, right? There are a million things that can hold us back from delivering our best work. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow.
1: We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen.
0: We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
1: Sometimes what happens is we get very focused. On the end goal of landing an ideal role or what we like to call your unicorn level opportunity it can be all-consuming but it turns out you can land your ideal role only to show up and feel like something is still missing truly thriving at work as it turns out is far different from just showing up to your ideal situation and expecting it to be everything you've ever wanted the good news is you don't have to wait on your company to drive employee engagement. Instead, there are things that you can do to feel more fulfilled yourself. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, or if you've already read our book, Happened to Your Career, then you know we have a chapter dedicated to learning to thrive in your career. And that explains how certain behaviors can stop you from thriving, even if you're in your ideal situation. More importantly, there's things you can do to change those behaviors. It's actually one of my favorite things to talk about. And it's part of the reason why we've invited an expert on today to discuss exactly what you can do to take ownership of your role in a way that matters and allows you to be more happy more often in your career.
0: And I think that there's absolutely a role that companies need to play in helping their teams craft that. But I also think we are all very much empowered to shapeshift our own employee experiences. I think companies where it works really well is when you have both the enterprise and the individual employees all steering in the same direction.
1: That's Rachel Cook. She's the founder of Lead Above Noise, which is a consulting firm that partners with organizations to help retain, engage, and develop employees. Rachel is also the host of the Modern Mentor podcast and was named by Inc. Magazine as a top 100 leadership speaker. Rachel worked for the bulk of her career in HR, where she gained valuable insights into what companies get right and what they get wrong when it comes to helping employees actually be happier and more fulfilled in their work. Rachel and I talk about how organizations can help their employees thrive, but more importantly, how you personally can take control and thrive in your role without waiting on your company. Rachel personally went through A big career change. And this is actually, you'll hear a little bit later, what caused her to step away from HR and go after her version of her ideal career, starting her own consulting firm. But for a moment, let's go back to where her career first began.
0: I went to college to study psychology thinking that I wanted to be a therapist and I I love therapy. I believe in therapy, but I think I came out realizing I was a little intimidated by the idea of the human as a patient, but what if I could make the organization, my patient that just felt safer for me. So I went back to school for a master's degree in organizational psychology, and I have spent the bulk of my career working in the realm of people and HR. I spent several years doing HR full-time and have been consulting on my own for six years now.
1: What prompted you to go from working HR full-time, which you and I have that in common. I spent a lot of years in HR as well, a whole bunch of other professions too, but very familiar with the HR side. What prompted you to go from HR to work in consulting?
0: Yeah, you know, for me, I felt like I would never have so much hubris as to say that I learned everything that there was for me to learn. There's always more to learn. Always. But at the same time, I felt like a lot of my energy was getting expended on what felt like being a cog in a wheel. I was executing on somebody else's vision. I feel like I was fighting in a rat race. I didn't even think I wanted to be in. And I didn't really see a path for growth because for me, it felt like growth meant promotion and and getting more senior and sort of being more polished and speaking more corporate speak. And that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to not continue executing on somebody else's vision, but I wanted to step out and create change and deliver impact in a way that felt more meaningful to me. And that I felt like I kind of needed to be an outsider looking in, in order
1: to do. So that's super interesting, partially because one of the I, things that you and I are going to get to talk about today is ways for, if you're in the situation where your company isn't necessarily providing an amazing experience for you mm-hmm. to be able to do that for yourself. And growth is something that it sounds like you weren't getting in the way that you wanted to, yeah to put it mildly. Yeah. Is that an understatement?
0: No, it's totally right. And I think the key there is that growth isn't just one thing. It's what you define it to be. I was getting a ton of growth as the company decided what growth looked like. It just wasn't what I wanted.
1: So what's an example of that? What is something that you were not getting that you really were missing or looking for?
0: For me, it was really opportunities to have bolder conversations. So in my last role, I was an HR business partner and my my role was really to sit down with my senior business leader and kind of listen and, and listen to his plans and his vision and help him execute on it. And I didn't feel incredibly empowered to challenge him, to push back, to probe, to coach him in a way that might infringe upon his ego. And that sounds kind of terrible, but I think that leaders within a company are willing to take a certain degree of coaching and pushback from an external consultant in ways that they won't from their internal business partner. And so for me, it wasn't about how is the company grooming me? How are they positioning me for the next level? I really wanted to impact change in ways that I just didn't feel like I had permission to.
1: I've experienced that as well. What you said about how sometimes you have Consultants, as an example, where they're able to come in and deliver a different type of feedback or a different type of different type of advice, and it's paid attention to differently than in and not in all organizations, but certainly in many organizations, I've experienced that as well. so what's what's an example of that where now, if we're bringing this full circle to where you're at currently, you get to have that type of growth and those bolder conversations that you wanted to.
0: Yeah. So one example that is very real time for me right now, I'm working with the CEO of a business and he and I keep having this conversation where he talks about conversations in the realm of... He almost thinks about it as a dichotomy. So a conversation is either... It's very action-oriented, right? We're, We're talking about results. We're talking about something quantifiable, measurable, we're action planning... Or we're having a kumbaya moment. And in his words and in his mind, either we are executing or we're like holding hands and singing a song. And where I've had the opportunity to really push his thinking, and I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do this if I were internal, is I've pushed back and I've said, listen, I get that we may not right now with your team be having a conversation that feels totally like it belongs in a spreadsheet. I said, but there's a lot of space between spreadsheets and Kubaya. We're having a conversation with your team right now around How do they move forward? How do they collaborate more effectively? How do they better support each other and show up as a leadership team versus a team of leaders? And I think that there are genuine obstacles to that that need to be addressed and made visible. And so by putting those things out there, by somebody on the team being willing to say, hey, you know, I pitched this idea a few weeks ago and you guys shot me down. You didn't even give me an opportunity to explain or you didn't ask me any questions. I said, by raising those things with your team, you actually have the power to move them forward. And I strenuously reject your assertion that that means it's a kumbaya moment, right? So being able to really push him and challenge him and say, "Mm -mm, I do not accept your assertion. I don't think you can do that when the person on the other end of the conversation is your boss.
1: Under what circumstances have you seen it work where you're able to have that same type of pushing or similar, even if it's not exactly the same? That's what I'm super curious about.
0: Well, what I think is that when you are a cog in the wheel of a company. And this is totally just my experience. I think there's an unspoken expectation that you're there to be part of the team and to support executing what the whole group is executing. When somebody brings me in, they're going out of their way. They are making a conscious investment in wanting to hear a contradiction, in wanting to be pushed, in wanting to be challenged. It's not just that I have permission to do that. There's an expectation that I'm doing that. Otherwise, what are they paying me for? So there's a bit of a self-selecting thing that's happening there. I'm not saying every leader in the world is going to want my pushback, but what I am saying is the ones who have sought me out are the ones that do. So I don't have a choice, but to be a little bit bold and brave and candid with them. Otherwise, what are they paying me for?
1: Well, I think what's particularly useful as I'm listening to you tell that set of stories and what has worked for you is that (laughs) you have to either find those environments in which you're getting the right right areas of growth. In this case, we started talking about growth, or you have to go and to some degree, create your own or find another one, right? Totally. So that brings us very much brings us full circle. Because one of the biggest things that I wanted to ask you about is what if it isn't working? What if you're in that position? Let's go back. How many years ago was it that you were working in HR and having six. these thoughts? Okay. So six years ago, let's go back six years ago for let's a minute and say that for someone who's in a similar position where they're not quite getting the growth that they want, or they're not getting their buttons pushed in the right way for them, how can they impact that? How can they enhance their own employee experiences? What can they do?
0: So what I will say is that for me, there were a number of life circumstances that were converging. So everything I said is the honest truth. And also... I had kids, and this was obviously well before the pandemic. And so there was an expectation that I was commuting, and I felt like I wasn't present for my kids. And so there were a whole bunch of circumstances that were converging that told me that my path was to step out and hang my own shingle and start my own business. I do not believe that that is necessarily the path for everybody. And I do not believe that for anyone who's maybe feeling like they need a little bit more love at work, the only answer is just to step out. I absolutely think that would be a terrifying thing to say. I think if you're in a position where where you're not getting exactly what you want but you want to make it work. You love your company. You love being an employee. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be part of somebody else's vision and playing a role in executing it. And I don't mean to imply that that is a bad thing. It just wasn't what I wanted personally. Mm -hmm. But if you love being part of a company, you believe in your company's mission, you want to stick around, but you're just not feeling the love. I do a lot of work with organizations on crafting meaningful employee experiences. And I think that there's absolutely a role that companies need to play in helping their team's. Craft that. Mm -hmm. But I also think we are all very much empowered to shape shift our own employee experiences. I think companies where it works really well is when you have both the enterprise and the individual employees all steering in the same direction. And so the framework that I use with companies and that I use with CEOs and leaders, I think works just as well for the individual. So I love to talk about the employee experience through the lens of four pillars. So I think that there are some companies that think the employee experience is about like pre-COVID, it was, we had food and foosball tables in the lobbies and free massages. And maybe now during the pandemic, it's more Zoom happy hours and virtual yoga. And those are cool. Like those are fun. And if you want to keep doing those as a company, I say go for it, but don't confuse those kind of sizzle and fizzle benefits as your employee experience. As far as I'm concerned, what creates a really powerful employee experience is when we can do four things. We can deliver our best work and our best selves. We can develop new skills, capabilities, and talents. We can connect with our teams, with a community, with a sense of purpose. We feel belonging and we can thrive. We feel well, we feel supported, we feel recognized, we feel like we have boundaries. When I work with organizations, those are the four pillars that we focus on, but I believe that an employee has certainly the power to take some steps in those four realms on their own, depending on what feels most absent for them. So let me pause there and see how that lands. And I can I can keep going for hours, but that's probably not feasible.
1: I feel like we could probably have an eight or nine long hour conversation (laughs) maybe maybe with bathroom breaks, I don't know, about these particular topics. So here's what I'm particularly interested in. When people are thinking about it not working, in this case, the employee experience, let's keep Mm -hmm. using that lingo. The employee experience is not working. That usually means that something is missing or misfiring, mm-hmm. or something is not, not connecting, not, an expectation is not being met in one way or another, the expectation mm-hmm. of the employee. So my, my question for you is about, when you think about these four pillars that you mentioned, what are some examples of each of those pillars and specifically how people can impact this employee Mm -hmm. experience, maybe even what might be missing in each of these pillars.
0: Absolutely. So if you think about the first one, which is deliver, there's some great research out of Gallup. They publish every year, their state of the American workforce report. And what they say year over year is that the number one driver that employees are looking for when they're evaluating new jobs is to what extent do they believe they're going to have the opportunity to deliver what they were hired to do? People care deeply. They want to show up and do their best work. So when I talk about deliver, what I push people to think about is, are there things that are keeping you from delivering the work that you believe you were hired to do? And that might mean things like, are you being micromanaged? are there lots of administrative obstacles in your way? Are you struggling to have clarity on expectations or priorities, right? There are a million things that can hold us back from delivering our best work. So I really encourage people to think about if that feels like the space where you're sort of falling down, you're not getting to do the work that you care about, ask yourself what what would feel different? You know, are there, are you sitting in back-to-back meetings all day and you feel like you're not able to get anything done? and, and what can you do about that? Can you talk to your boss and say, hey, I'm in meetings all day. I've identified two that I I really just don't think I need to be in. And I feel like I could have so much more impact if I spent those two hours doing something else. It's finding the things that hold you back and then proposing small solutions that might make things incrementally better, right? Sometimes we're not able to get our best work done because we need to collaborate with another team that isn't Showing up as we need them to. So, can you pull somebody? Can you sit down with someone on the other team and just say, Hey, is there a better way for me to request the data that I need from you? Or is there a better way? But it's about having the conversations, being a participant in finding the solutions. But those are the types of things that I would look for under the deliver
1: pillar. So, that's really, first of all, thank you for exact language and an example. That's super helpful. (laughs) And second of all, I think that when you're talking about those areas that are not working. I think it's really easy to point out what those areas are that are not working. It's much more difficult to be able to identify potential solutions and then go and do something to impact that. So I so appreciate you saying that and just wanted to notate that. And uh, any other examples that you have for these pillars where we can can demonstrate, here's how you would go to your boss or here's how you'd go to another team member. That's super helpful to make that impact.
0: Yeah. So let's do one in develop, right? It's all about developing new skills. And I think for a lot of people that translates to like, I need to go to a four day training program, or I need an executive coach. And the truth is there are a million ways that we can find development. And maybe your company isn't investing in really rigorous programs right now, but Hey, is there a project that you want to get a chance to have your hands on? Is there a committee you can ask to sit on? Is there something that you watch your boss do that you would like to Suggest that you take off of his or her plate, right? Hey, I watch you deliver this weekly report to your boss every week. Can I help you put that together? Can I lead a team meeting, right? It's about finding small ways to challenge yourself within the confines of your everyday work and asking for what you want, but not, hey, can you give me $10,000 so I can go to this conference? I mean, if, if the money's there, go for it. But don't let yourself off the hook and say, well, if I can't go to this $10,000 conference, I'm just not getting development. It's about being creative and finding ways to challenge yourself and grow your skills that are easy. They're easy for your boss to say yes to. How could your boss say, no, no, I prefer to do this heavy lift myself. You go back to your desk, right? It's sort of a can't lose situation. So that's the type of example I would look for there.
1: Well, I think what's really interesting about that too is after you build a behavior pattern of doing that, what people don't think about is they're training their boss, they're training their coworkers to be able to be responsive to that. And after you do a couple of those smaller requests, you're starting to build a track record. You're starting to build a pattern of behavior and they're expecting more of that. And then it's easier to go to the, hey, can we use this $20,000 for development or whatever it might be? It's so much easier to make that bridge from there.
0: Totally, that is exactly right. That is exactly right. It is about creating small wins and building momentum along the way so that over time you gain permission to maybe ask for bigger ones.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is so good. Let's do another pillar.
0: Oh, okay. So connect. I think connection has always been important, but it is at the top of my list right now. There are so many people who are feeling so disconnected. And I think that we need to be intentional. I think what's most important is that we don't default to assume that connection only happens in one way, Mm -hmm. that there are Zoom happy hours. And if I don't join the Zoom, no, people are exhausted. Everybody needs something different, right? And there are some people right now who are working and homeschooling their kids and they've got toddlers. And then there are other people who are maybe in a different phase of life and they live by themselves and their kids are grown and they're lonely. So finding ways to connect with people and ask them, what do you need? If you yourself are feeling disconnected, what can you ask for? How can you role model reaching out, checking in with somebody, asking for help? I think that's a really important thing to do, but also staying connected, not just to individuals and not just a community, but also feeling connected to purpose. So if you take a look around at how you've just spent your day can you see how whatever tasks you've done actually drive whatever impact your company is delivering? Or do you feel like you've just spent your day doing a whole bunch of busy work that just feels really disconnected? And if you can't find that connection, Go talk to your boss, go talk to a colleague, but ask them, hey, help me understand. Like, listen, we're we're in financial services and as a company, I think it's amazing that we help consumers get access to loans so they can buy a home or they finance so they can retire. But like, I spend six hours a day in this spreadsheet that feels pretty mundane and administrative. Like, am I, am I adding value here? Find ways to really check. And by the way, if you are spending six hours a day on something that isn't adding value, can you find a way to... Simplify that a little bit so that you can get a little bit more time back and do something that makes you feel a little bit more connected to customers. Do some customer research or do some whatever would make you feel more connected to purpose. But being mindful of how connected do you currently feel and what can you do to take one small step in the right direction?
1: I think that's so... Powerful. And the research around all of that is unequivocal. All the, res- all the studies, every single one that I've seen supports that if you cannot directly see and connect how what you're doing is making an impact, then it's not going to feel fulfilling for very long. There's going to be an expiration or a honeymoon period that wears off, and then it's going to not be particularly rewarding in any way whatsoever. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Okay. We have one pillar left here. We,
0: we have one left. Oh, And it is thrive and thriving is really just about like, if everything else is getting you to baseline thriving is where you're kind of soaring. So this to me is about boundaries. It's about feeling recognized, right? It's about feeling like people would feel your absence if you weren't there. If you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends and you're burning out, can you talk to your boss? Can you ask for help? Can you ask for the boundaries that you need him or her to respect? Or if you feel like you're giving it your all and you're just kind of being taken for granted, can you ask for recognition? And you don't have to call it recognition. You don't have to say, listen, I've been working hard, so I would like some extra cash or a reward here. No, that can feel really uncomfortable. But what you can do is sit down with your boss and say, hey... I've really been putting my all into this project and I I just don't feel like I've heard much. I wonder if you have any feedback from me, you know, how's it going? And a lot of times what'll happen is your boss will say something like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've been, I've been so focused on the people who've been underperforming. I just haven't had a chance to come back and tell you like, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. Or if, there's a chance that you're putting your all into a piece of work and it's actually not being well-received, then it gives your boss a chance to give you that feedback. But either way, if you're not feeling recognized, asking for it or asking for feedback to help you understand what could get you recognized and also letting your boss know or your peers know how you like to be recognized, Some people like a public celebration. Some people just want a quiet email. Some people see recognition as when I'm doing great work, I feel recognized when other people seek out my expertise. Recognition comes in many forms. And so reflecting on how you like to experience it and then asking for it and also role modeling it. Those are some great ways to turn up the dial on that one.
1: And I think that's a really common theme for every area that you've mentioned so far, whether it's recognition or whether it's how you connect back what work you're doing to having an impact or any any other area, it looks different. For every single person, and recognition right. is such a great example of that because I have met many people over the years where they have a negative association with recognition based on some of you know how they were raised and like I don't need no recognition. I don't know why that voice comes out. In the- <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Not not sure where that came from. However, you know, that's real and understanding that it looks drastically different per person. can be so useful because then you can go and have that conversation that you're talking about and say, Hey, look, here's what I need. And here's a good example. And I'm super curious to ask what works for you too. But for me, part of recognition is having conversations with people where they will confide in me and would never... Tell what they're telling me to anybody else. Like, I've had that happen with so many coworkers over the years. And that's something that I love. I love being in that. I love that having the relationship that leads to that. And that's when I feel recognized, where they're sharing things they wouldn't share with anyone else. And that was a great space in HR. Like, that worked really well as an HR partner in some cases. But so, what is it for you?
0: Yeah. So, for me, it's not about glory. It's not about thank you. The greatest way you can recognize me is when we're having a conversation and you say something like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way, or, oh, I hadn't realized that, but you give me a verbal indication that through our conversation, something has unlocked for you. That is the greatest gift you can give me.
1: Love that. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing. Of course. That is really helpful. And thank you for going into all of the examples. Something else that I wanted to ask you just in our last little bit here, is if you're, well, let's go back to that, maybe even pre-six years ago, you're mm-hmm. in that position where you are not getting what you need, whether it is growth, whether it is any of these four pillars, any piece of any of these four pillars, what what advice, What advice? advice would you give that person who's there and recognize that they're not getting what they want?
0: The biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody is if you're not getting what you need, do not sit back and say, well, I guess my company is failing me. I guess the organization is failing me. I guess my boss is failing me. I would challenge you to... Re- now, sometimes that is true, right? You might be in a toxic environment. You might not have a career path. But before you make that decision, I would really challenge you to sit back and say, well, if they're not going to do it, what can I do for myself? And really think that through and sort of Implement as many tests and experiments as you can before you decide to call it.
1: Rachel, thank you for not just the advice, but thank you for unlocking a few uh, a few pieces <laughs> for me. And this has been incredible. I also want to find out where can people go if they want to get more Rachel? If they have to have more Rachel, how can people do that?
0: Wow, two places. I am the host of the Modern Mentor Podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or you can go to my website, which is leadabovenoise.com. And I will just say really quickly for anybody who is either a people leader or an aspiring people leader, go ahead to leadabovenoise.com backslash simple. We are running a free six-week challenge designed to help you simplify what you do in order to amplify what you deliver.
1: At the very beginning of this episode, I mentioned how thriving at work is one of my favorite things to talk about. It's also one of my favorite things to do. I, I spend all day... Optimizing and constantly evaluating what I or our team or other people can do to be able to thrive at work, and and that's part of the reason why we wrote our book "Happen to Your Career: An Unconventional Approach to Career Change and Meaningful Work," so that we can help one person at a time be able to find their ideal version of work and then be able to thrive in it. It's packed with tons of research-based findings on thriving career happiness, and how to use this research to land an ideal role that you truly enjoy. You can get the book any place where books are sold, or you can get the audiobook right this moment on Amazon or Audible and start working on making an intentional career change in 30 seconds from now. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically even the bonus episodes every single week sometimes multiple times a week until next week adios i'm out